0: From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxey, and this is ReSound.
1: People at Third Coast have been really excited about this, this piece for a while, um, and it is really a gem
0: of a piece. ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sound, sound bites, and audio treasures we have been collecting and saving up for years and years.
1: Some of these stories we've been holding on to since I first arrived as an intern four years ago.
0: We listen to everything we can get our ears on, then bring you the best of what we hear each week.
1: There are little, tiny, wonderful works that could so easily get lost in this shuffle. And this is one of those pieces. It packs so much into that little tiny space, but it brings us so much delight.
0: So every time we sit down to plan a show for you, we juggle a number of considerations from the artistic, like which stories go well together while still relating to the weekly theme, to the practical, as in will they all fit into our one hour radio format? We do a lot of math, base six. Sometimes it takes a little wizardry to make it all work out perfectly, which is always our goal, of course. But as a result, there are always stories that we really, really love that we can't quite get to fit. So we try again the next week, nope, and then the next, can't do it. It can be wall-poundingly frustrating. Ergo, today on ReSound, finally, a show featuring some of our favorite orphaned yet timeless stories. From a gray-haired gal who plays air guitar to a rondo of roller skates. Stay with us. We start with a story that we first heard in 2014. This one is hard not to love, and I personally connect with it in so many ways. Not in the details, but just in the idea of breaking out setting yourself free, and doing what you love. Also, it's called Smart Old Broad. I identify. Do you
2: know the expression when pigs fly? That's my life. When pigs fly, I never thought I'd be happy, and I never thought I'd be at peace with life. What I was was alone. Alone was what I knew. I was born in Brooklyn. My mother was a very, very smart lady. She was beautiful. My mother would start to drink, and then bam, it was uh, crazy time. You know, you'd be hit in the head or pulled through the apartment by your hair. I couldn't really get friends because my mother would go after them. I never had a romantic relationship, never allowed myself to even think about it. I would put Color Me Barbara on, and I would pretend that I was Barbara Streisand. I had a Hoover vacuum cleaner. That was my microphone. And when I was standing there, I could look out and I wasn't alone anymore. My mom passed away when I was 38. And there was this thought in my head that I'm going to have a life and everything will be wonderful, and it just doesn't work that way. It was difficult for me to be around people that had normal lives. There was a time when I could go out and I could do one thing a day. So it would be if I was going to work, I would go to work, then I would come home, you know, and that's all I could handle (laughs) for that day. I had started to overeat again, and... I wasn't grooming myself like I used to. I had fallen down the rabbit hole, and you grab something, and it stops the fall. This is how I got involved with air guitar.
0: For years it was something you only did in front of the bedroom mirror, but now playing air guitar is being celebrated in a very public way at the U.S. Air Guitar
3: championship
2: and all of a sudden I went son of a gun and I sighed <laughs> I can't explain it I had to prove to myself that I was alive I was going through my music and of course I'm a great fan of Boston they did the most amazing star-spangled banner and I thought Perfect. Very next day, got in the car, went down to the key club, <laughs> and walked in, and, uh, and it changed my life.
4: My name is Bjorn Turok, T-U-R-O-Q-U-E, also known as Dan Crane, and I am the host, the Master of ceremonies for the U.S. and World Air Guitar Championships. I can remember her showing up in this kind of very, it looks like she just came from the office, a little shirtwaist dress, little flat shoes, I had pearls on. You know, everybody backstage is dressed, you know, with spandex and makeup and blood and, and glitter. You know,
2: I didn't look like an air guitarist, but they were so nice. I am
5: Air Jesus, the messiah of rock.
2: I'm Kingslayer, a king trapped in a lady's body. It's such an interesting group of people.
4: Tyrannicus, Lord of the End Times. I want to be uh, decked out in some armor, some battle armor.
2: These are young men and women and they're in very good shape and it's very sexual.
4: I sort of switched between the hard rocking guitar of Eddie Van Halen and the hot teacher. Here I was, a little short fat woman. I said, all right everybody, there's probably a lot of you in this crowd tonight whose mother is around 60 years old. Just imagine that this is your mom getting on stage right now and how awesome is that?
2: And I walked out on that stage and I started to play. You're standing there and you're just imitating what it would be like to be a guitarist. I dance around, I I just go with the music.
4: I had never seen a 60 year old woman get up and play air guitar. That was something unique. She got on stage and like, she was great. terrible. She just got into it. Um, her technique was uh, a little shoddy, but you know, for a rookie, I thought she was pretty decent. And yet everybody applauded. And I didn't know then that I had kind of created a monster, (laughs) but a great monster.
2: When I went the first time I went, I think really to save my life. I really had some issues about, uh, even knowing who I was as a person. When I went the second time, I wanted to get better because I really respect these people. And this was something I had never had. I had never had structure and collaboration. Hi, I'm here. All right. One of the fellows that came to support me, he said, I just think you need to take guitar lessons. I think you're just gonna be more comfortable and confident.
1: This is a nice little. It used to be a storage unit. It's mostly bands that play down here,
4: but I also teach yoga in here. Maureen and I have developed this routine. A little bit of yoga.
1: Look up with your eyes. Arch the back. A little bit of air.
4: Guitar rehearsal. Little
6: finger action. Good. Maybe slide up and down.
2: The second year, I decided to get a little bit more rock and rolly, and I had slimmed down a little, and I thought, you know what? I can wear jeans, I can wear a pretty top. And then the word had gotten out in the office that I was doing it. And I couldn't believe
1: how many people came.
4: I could not be more excited about this next competitor. Uh, She's celebrating a birthday tonight. I had no idea
2: how many people were there for me. Even my doctor's office came. I mean, and they're all chanting my name, and they're all rooting for me. When I walked out on that stage, I was like, Oh my god, this isn't a dream. I'm really there and and they love me. And I thought to myself, You're not alone anymore. I know who I am. I don't play as Maureen O'Neal or Mo O'Neal or Momo. I play as smart old broad because that's what I am. I'm smart. I'm old, and I'm abroad. I just get lost in the joy of the music. It's a great feeling to do that when you've never had that before. I had accomplished amazing things in a year. And I thought to myself when I was done, okay, I really want to do this again. And I really want to get a little better. I wanted to be able to walk out on that stage with the understanding that I could do the finals, that I was good enough to do the finals. Dan Crane, he was very kind to me.
4: Any of the people that hosted qualifying events can nominate a dark horse to come back for one last shot at the national title.
2: And son of a gun, Dan Crane called me back and said, you know, Maureen, they would like you to go and try for it. And he said, you know, up your game because you're going to be with a lot of people that are very good. I thought to myself, well... Okay, these guys invest time and thought and costumes. And somebody explained to me a lot of it is performance art. So I need to do that. I need to meet them on their level. See, it'll react to the music. It's going
7: to be flashing and moving. I'm Miko Simons. I am a professional costumer, and I was informed we needed some fancy outfits for an air guitar competition. We have a white tuxedo dress shirt for women, but to give it a little bit of a rock and roll edge, we added some fringe underneath the arms, so it gives that wings effect and some electroluminescent wire that will glow to the beat of the music. (laughs) Yeah, she's a badass bike and broad there you go
2: i was very nervous about the dark horse my first two times i did boston but this time i decided to do sticks
4: we're here at the bar 107 downtown it's a what you would call a dive bar probably about 100 people here
2: the show was supposed to start at 8 sharp and we were to be there at 7. you
0: see that we have your tracks, Aaron the Fendersons? Yeah. Hardcore Henry? Yeah. Jean Luc Picard? Yeah. Smart Old Broad, Yeah. Nice Sonic Bitch?
2: I started to get a little intimidated, and then uh, I just talked to myself off the edge on that, you know, just like, oh, stop it, you know. Just get up there and do Mo, and you'll be fine. And son of a gun, National I made it to the finals, and I just couldn't believe it.
0: Moving in to the big show on Saturday, smart all broad!
2: You know, even though I didn't win the Nationals, I was there, and I accomplished what I wanted to. I got up on that stage, and I performed, and that's what I went there to do. My life had turned around completely, complete circle, and I knew it. I look out and I see all these wonderful people that came to support me, and I thought, Oh my God, look at what you have.
0: Smart Old Broad was produced by Gideon Brower and Nick White for Unfictional from KCRW. So glad that Mo O'Neill finally found her home in competitive air guitar, and we finally got to share the story about her.
1: This piece asks you to pay attention. So try to focus in on the piece. It's an immersive experience, which is oftentimes some of our favorite.
0: Beautiful and wholly original, our next story has also been hard to fit into a theme on Resound because it's so wide-ranging and interpretive. It was part of a BBC project called Between the Essays, in which five producers were each given a line from a short poem to use as inspiration. Jay Kranz interpreted the line, The leaves, frost crisped, break from the trees, from a poem called November Night, By Adelaide Crapsy. Here is the leaves.
7: The ancient Egyptians used to write their chants for healing on papyrus, then dissolve the words in the papyrus and ask the patient to drink the solution so that they would actually take in the words. It is the dissolving, the melting of all resistances to deal with what is really important to the person. That's what literature and poetry can do. You had a line, something about a frozen leaf. The leaves, frost crisped, break from the trees. When you step into the world of imagery, there are no rules, okay? It's just like entering a dream state the poem. If this is resonating with the person, there'll be an immediate reaction and they are going to be able to express something about their life. Something's going to happen.
6: Cutting out a bit of the rot. My name's I'll out out Moo, or Marty or Mark. So I can square it all off and clean it all up so I can put a new piece of wood in I there. I do general home maintenance. Joe jobs. They call me a Joe, I do most jobs. Uh, the leaves frost crisped break from the trees. Yeah, the leaves frost, Frost, crisp crisp break from the trees. Hmm. I'm just thinking about my avocado tree. It's been in the ground for two years. We had a big frost two nights ago and I think it's got it. I've got two water tanks down the back of the property. So they say if you have a bit of thermal mass behind a tree, the coal won't get it. But I think the tree's too young. It hasn't got much resistance to the frost if it was older it'd probably shrug it yeah, off you grow older you become a bit more robust a bit more resilient yeah mm. there's ants in there too just found a hole so they're nesting in there for the winter or forever but not now brings back memories of my childhood it was a sheep farm i would have been 11 or 12. uncle ken had come into my room go mark come on i was his right hand man one day, he dragged a sheep out of the pens. He told me to hang on to the sheep. And he came back with this big knife and cut its throat while I was hanging on to it. Blood went everywhere. I went, it went a bit uh, funny, a bit light-headed. Never sort of had an animal or anything killed while I was holding on to it. With that, he dragged it into the hanging room and skinned the sheep. I watched him. I think I was a bit weak, because I I couldn't deal with it. But that that moment, probably helped me to be a bit stronger, resilient, because I hung tough. And three nights later, there's was a strong, gamey smell of lamb. Uncle Ken looked across the table at me and he said, Mart, you know, you know that, that lamb, lamb we killed, killed the, the other, other night? night? He says, you're, you're eating, eating it. it. I thought, I can't eat that. He was training me up for the rest of my life, you know.
7: Suddenly, we're already there because of the speed of the metaphor. When an image affects our thoughts and emotions, neurotransmitters and chemicals flow through the brain, and one image begets another, and pulls up associations, memories, and emotions.
8: Smells also beautiful and wood-fiery in here. Thanks for the tea. Um, I just remembered that it crisped and fell to the ground, the leaf. Hmm. When I was 12 or 13, I had this ritual where I used to push the palms of my hands into my eyes quite hard so that it would go kind of black and almost starry, and then these sparkles, light would come. And I would do it at night, in bed, and it would help me steer my dreams. And then I would just say that line line to myself. When When I die, die, the the world world will continue. continue. Or when When I die, die, the the world will will go go on on and on and on. 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 It was a falling away from just the connection to gravity and being held on the planet. From the bed, I would leave the house and go into the yard, and I'd run a particular way across the length of the yard, and then I'd be able to fly. The yard was quite long, and I'd keep running, 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 and then do a circle up into the air, and then come back down and land on the grass running like I've done a loop. So I would do that in ever-widening circles. So the first circle, I just would clear the pool, kind of be 20 metres in the air and then hit the grass again. And then the second circle would be, when I'd hit the ground, I'd have to really put some effort into the running in order to generate some momentum for that next loop. And gradually it became easier and easier. And then I was... Off. Up into... Up into up into space and the
7: stars. The imagination, it's like a deep sea diver that rakes the bottom of the poet's mind and dredges up images. And if we go deep enough, we may discover the secret place where our key images are stored.
3: Hello. 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 Well it's just about a leaf that freezes and cracks in the freezing and falls to the ground. People like to set themselves challenges and people have this urge driven to try to conquer this mountain. And they spend a long time preparing and physically training, and, and then the reality overcomes them. They get cracked or conquered by the mountain, which freezes them in a sense. Freezes in a sense. They quite often lose their life, and they fall to the ground, as it were. they just led out of luck, I guess. Yeah. They run
0: out of fun. Yeah. You climbed uh, some of the Himalayas.
3: Well, that's uh, anywhere near that high. I don't have that desire to conquer the highest peak in the world and have those bragging rights. I've always enjoyed the journey and... If there are some high mountains along the way or high passes, I'm happy to go through them, if I'm still able
7: to. You know, there's something universal about trees and, oh, sorry, I forgot the cuckoo clock.
5: Dave, do you have to pay? Or nah.
0: So, what do you think about the leaves? I want to know. Um,
3: I my
6: favorite song is I guess that's what I call it, the blues. Living like lovers, rolling like
8: thunder under the. Clouds.
0: That's awesome. That's good, right. So, what do you think about the leaves? Yeah. The leaves beefs. The what? Beefs, 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 beefs. Okay, and then what happens to the leaves? Uh. The berry by the snowball.
8: Don't wish it away.
3: <laughs> Don't look at it like it's forever.
7: Spontaneity. That's, that's the name it's of the game.
5: some wine? Sure. It doesn't reveal itself all at once. It sounds quite brittle. Crisped and frost and break. It's forced to make a choice and the survival choice is to drop the leaves. made the decision to leave, to leave home when I was 15. I understood that if I didn't, then I wouldn't survive. So whether I'm the leaf or the tree, I don't know. (laughs) I was really lonely after my mum died. My dad drove a cab at night. He'd come home about four or five in the morning, if he came home, because he always used to disappear, for days. He'd go on drinking binges, gambling binges, dice, cards, anything, really, horses. The last event that made me realise that I had to get out of there, he was yelling at me and he picked up a kitchen knife, a carving knife and ran at me. In that time leading up to when I left, I'd accumulated a small stash of Valium and Mogadun of my dad's. So on the night that I was leaving, I slipped quantities of those into people's beverages. When I made their <laughs> evening tea, yeah. so my stepmum my poor grandmother, who was visiting from Greece at the time, who was sleeping in the same room as crushed me. the pills, stirred it a bit and give them a cup of tea. I knew I wasn't overdosing anyone. I just knew that was the only way I was going to get out quietly without any fuss as planned. And, you know, my dad was going to be at work. I was going to be able to take his car. So, when everyone was asleep, got out of bed, made the bed shape. Make a little shape that looked like a body in the bed. Got the suitcase out from under the bed, picked up car keys, went down the hallway, through the garage, to the laneway. And that was the car was there. It was an old white station wagon. I'd never driven, but I drove. (laughs) What a mental idea. I did sideswipe a parked car. It's dark and there's lights going past and I'm a bit worried about how narrow the streets seem and I don't remember sleeping that night. One of my clearest memories later that evening is driving over the overpass with the city lights and on the radio drive by the cars is playing Who's Gonna Drive You Home Tonight? And my memory driving over that bridge is a feeling of relief and exhilaration and a potential freedom that was so incredible and so reinforcing of what I had just done. And it was full of hope, really, that this might be a turning point and that I'd, yeah, live. The leaves...
7: Frost crisped, break from the trees.
5: That feeling has never left me.
7: What strikes you about that line? It creates a feeling for me. What is it that resonates so much with you? So if I ask you that, what would you answer?
0: The Leaves was produced in 2015 by Jay Kranz for Between the Essays, a series by Falling Tree Productions for BBC Radio 3. Coming up after the break, a tongue-in-cheek trip to six imaginary house parties and a ball of yarn escapes from a knitter on the bus. Stay with us.
3: The problem about being a beginner is that it's gonna suck. But the good thing about being a beginner is that you've got all this energy.
4: On the third Coast Pocket
9: Conference, you'll learn the essential tools for making audio stories from the world's most celebrated radio producers and podcasters.
5: So when I make a piece, I want the world I'm imagining to be so engaging that the listener wants to move there. I want to create an atmosphere that will be sustained from beginning until end. You have to find a way to
2: get in and tell a story that's going to surprise people about something that they already know.
4: The closer, the more intimate, the more immersed you can get in the lives of the people whose stories you're telling the more powerful those narratives will be
9: the third coast pocket conference is where your next great story begins listen online at thirdcoastfestival.org or you can subscribe wherever you download your podcasts
3: and that is the only way that you will get from sucking to not sucking
0: Welcome back to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxai. Today, we are relieved to be able to play you a few timeless stories we've been unintentionally sitting on for years. We loved them when we first heard them, of course, and we kept hoping we'd find a home for them in a show. But for one reason or another, they were too long, too short, didn't fit the theme. We haven't been able to squeeze them in. So today, we decided to wait no longer and finally serve up a potluck of some of our very favorite leftovers. Water bottles, coin machines, skate cleaners, the sounds that surround these athletes every time they practice. When we heard this next piece, we had already produced a show about the music of everyday things. But we never forgot the song Mad Genius created from sounds gathered in a roller derby rink in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, if you don't know the work of Mad Genius, they say about themselves, quote, We snatch sounds by day when no one's looking. We gather by night at Mad Manor, our online mansion, anonymously assembling pop from the flotsam. Before we play this mashup, there is some language that might not be suitable for all listeners. Here is... The Magic Skates.
1: my job and I ordered a set of roller skates and said, oh, I'm just going to roller skate on the dog path with, you know, with the dog. And my husband said, oh, roller derby's having a tryout. You should go check it out. And I (coughs) never been on roller skates. I learned to ice skate as an adult and I was competitive, but... Madison is very competitive for roller derby. My first derby practice was terrifying. Is this right? And painful. What? They cut 20 people on that first day. And there are eight spots. I got cut mid-season. There's only one tryout a year. By then I was hooked. When I had my skates on, I'm graceful, and when I have my skates on, I'm fast. When I have my skates on, I can jump and fly and spin. They're like magic. Yeah. They're magic. Bodies hitting bodies. Pads hitting pads could get hit from anywhere, just be ready. 4,000 people show up. Like, really? Whoa! Oh, I loved it. Focus, goal, go. So the second tryouts, I made it all the way through the summer. I got drafted mid-season. My first bout, I was scared. I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) At the end of every bout, my husband's like, oh, you got hit so hard, are you okay? I hate it, because I'm like, didn't you see those awesome things I did? I fall up the stairs, but I don't get hurt playing dirty. I have narcolepsy. I tell people it's like, if you just ate Thanksgiving dinner and then you went to your in-laws' house, and ate another Thanksgiving another Thanksgiving.
8: Another beer. Thanksgiving beer.
1: And then you lay down on the living room carpet in the sunshine. I feel like that all the time. I take stimulants. They have horrible side effects. The only time I'm really awake is when I'm skating. When I have my skate time, I'm awake and I'm alive. And you know, I don't have to take drugs. I'm just there. When I have my skates on, I can jump and fly and spin. They're like magic. Yeah, they're magic. Bodies hitting bodies. Pads hitting pads. You could get hit from anywhere. Just be ready. 4,000 people show up. It's really loud.
5: Whoa!
1: I completely fell in love. They're like magic. Yeah, they're magic.
0: The Magic Skates was produced by Mad Genius for Whereabouts, which they describe as a popcast that remixes the world. Ross Sutherland is a writer and performer in the UK who also hosts and produces his own podcast called Imaginary Advice. This episode, called Six House Parties, is a romp through a series of made-up soirees located in Sutherland's imagination. And just in case you're not up on your British soap operas, Pat Butcher is an original and long-lived character, 16 years, from the series EastEnders. And Frank is, or was, her husband.
9: Party number one. The theme of the party, It's toga toga party you arrive early and help Karen set up the dips hey Karen you say, handing her the guacamole I uh, I hope there's dancing tonight, hey yeah, says Karen it's gonna be like the last days of Rome (laughs) ha ha, you laugh as well (laughs) ha 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 Karen touches you on the arm and then leaves to go get the breadsticks it is totally on Most of the guests have hired their togas from a shop. They've got gold trim and calf straps. They're quite modest, but that's not your style. No, you've gone with the classic bedsheet over-the-shoulder look. It's authentic. It's Animal House. It's sexy. It says, I effortlessly complete the brief. Is that a nipple? I hadn't even noticed. The party fills quickly like a sexy bath. It is not a suicidal orgy, but it is fun. At midnight, you notice a guy in the corner dressed in chinos and a sky blue sports shirt. Karen is hanging on his every word. She introduces him to you. Hey, this is Dave. Hey dude, you say. Forget your costume. Dave's eyes flicked to Karen, he snorts. No! I've come as Toga Matsumoto, the famous Japanese composer. He composed the theme tune to almost every big anime series of the 90s. Your face turns red. Yeah, I knew that, you say. Hang on, I've got to get something. You walk straight out the front door and go home. Party number two. The theme of the party is the letter K. Letter K party. Everyone must come dressed as something beginning with K. There are about eight kings, five King Kongs. Two King Kong Bundy's. You have come as Chris Christopherson, Cowboy boots, tidy white beard, hair like you've spent all day on the deck of a boat. Kate Middleton has already gone home with Kanye West, which means you are focusing all of your attention on the girl dressed as Stanley Kubrick. She keeps playing the same song over and over and telling the crowd to dance. More meaningfully. You ask her if she's got any Beethoven for later. Both of your beards glow in the sugary UV light. You're already the toast of the party after you dispatched the creepy guy who was making inappropriate comments in the kitchen. It's still unclear whether he was Karl Lagerfeld, Immanuel Kant or just the character from the film Kingpin. Kubrick dedicates a song to you, Dust in the Wind by Kansas. You dance in front of her, seductively. At midnight, there is a ruckus at the door. It's Dave, someone shouts. He's come dressed as potassium. You know, the chemical potassium, because on the periodic table, it's represented by the letter. Yeah, I I get it, you say, grabbing their bottle of bourbon as you turn. You can hear the sound of Dave fizzing, threatening to explode if he touches water, the whole party clapping and chanting his name. You sit in a bedroom and drink alone. Much, much later, someone pops their head in and asks you why you're dressed as Jeff Bridges. Party number three. The theme of the party is Pat Butcher. Pat Butcher party Everyone must come dressed as Pat Butcher You have come As Malibu Pat Butcher Grass skirt A blue dahlia in your hair In the toilet queue you get chatting To a nice girl and rally fatigues She has come As NASCAR Pat Butcher Tiny lego tires as earrings hey Pat you say I love your jacket maybe you could take me for a drive sometime thanks Pat she says my baby's in the auto shop but maybe you could come have a look at it what do you know about heavily damaged rear suspension in another room The phone rings. Phone call for Pat! Someone shouts. You both laugh. At the stroke of midnight, one Frank turns up. He is instantly mobbed by Pat's. They swarm him, touching his spectacles as if they were sacred. Frank! Frank! They shout. You don't even have to look round. Someone notices your face. Do you not know who Frank is? I know exactly who Frank is, you say. You catch your reflection in the mirror, then tear off your garland and throw it on the floor. It looks like a big, flowery zero. party number four. The theme of the party is the adversaries of General Victoriano Huerta. Adversary of General Victoriano Huerta Party, President of Mexico, February 1913 to July 1940. Most guests have come as the revolutionary Emiliano Zapata, bit obvious. Some have come ...as President Francisco Moreno or Governor Abraham Gonzalez. There's a couple of Woodrow Wilsons knocking about. It was a messy coup, so there are lots of options for this party, really, if you think about it. Everyone poses for black and white photographs by the fountain. Cocktail sausages as cigars. As the clock strikes twelve... You hear the sound of someone riding a horse through your host's plastic orange grove. Dave appears, dressed as Jose Cuervo, the tequila mascot, a brace of shot glasses strung across his chest. Suddenly it hits you. Victoriana Huerta died of cirrhosis of the liver. Was his only true adversary himself? I mean, Huerta struggled with alcohol since 1907 when he left the army after developing cataracts while serving in the southern jungles. Dependence on alcohol might well have made him more pliable, playing directly into the hands of Henry Lane Wilson, General Bernardo Reyes and Felix Diaz. No booze means no betrayal. Huerta would still be the head of public works planning new street layouts for Monterey. Was all this in the name of revolution or just one man's dwindling capacity for drink? My God, is everything that I know about 20 of century mexican politics a fucking lie bueno says dave pulling out a bueno several women swoon over the edge of the balustrade and need to be resuscitated you remove their moustaches before the ambulance arrives Party number five. The theme of the party is the Fibonacci sequence. Party starts at one then goes on to one. Then two, then three, skips four, then five, skips six and seven, restarts at eight, skips nine to twelve, etc. Everyone dances all night. Harmonic intervals going up. Melodic intervals going down. At midnight, right on cue, Dave appears. This time with 50 randoms. I'm crashing your sequence, shouts Dave with a smirk. The crashers scatter into the party like ball bearings at a lindy hop. A random gets into every conversation, every bottle of booze. They wander around the party, quacking broken sentences, until the party turns into a TV tuned to static. Dave, you shout. I got you this time. These people aren't truly random, are they? You just rounded up all your mates from Venture Scouts. Prove it, says Dave. His eyes, Rick Rolling, in the pinkish disco light. Party number six, your party. The theme of the house party is Dave. Dave party. Everyone must come dressed as Dave. The decor is Dave, the music is Dave. You Dave up all the Dave until it looks super Dave. Everyone turns out for this one every girl you've ever loved, every boy you've wanted to be. The only topic of conversation is Dave. How is he gonna do it? How can someone comically misinterpret the theme of a party when the theme is themselves? You know that you have him this time. Dave must fail. Dave must fail. You've been chanting it all week as you decorated, it, whispering it into the paper chains. It's midnight. Every guest turns to face the door. Camera phones at the ready. The door cracks. You hold your breath. As... A dog toy is tossed through the crack in the door. A small, purple, dimpled bone that squeaks as it bounces haphazardly down the corridor. Oink. Oink. Oink, oink, oink. You go to say, is that it? But before you can even add the question mark, the door heaves open and all life follows. Every genus of flower, every dead football player, all the trucks, Broccoli, gallows, habits, every lineup of the fall, the alphabet, every out of work bodyguard, every second hand microscope, the concept of shame, every great American novel, all the saints, the Samoans, all the Samoans, a hand the size of a courtyard, every terse bellhop, every older flatmate that DJs, every Tall, funny guy. Every disillusioned punk. Every can of Diet Coke. All the geese. Sarah Jessica Parker. Every vegetarian lasagna. Frankenstein. Every missed penalty. All the goblets. Moorfield's Eye Hospital. A lifetime supply of mint-flavored candles. The team behind Sunny Delight, every broken pachinko table, every resurrected slogan, every pregnant member of staff, every man who wears a pink shirt to the office who says for my sins when you ask him what his job is, CITV, breast cancer, Pong, wrestling terminology, people called Julie, all the Morrissey fans who say, oh, I don't understand why people don't like Morrissey, and then sing all of the words over the top so you can't hear the fucking song. I don't hate Morrissey, I can't hear Morrissey, I hate you. Fudge, babies, drawings of lungs, all the couples that wear matching jackets and hang around furniture shops, bunk beds, cholera, Santa, windows... French, money, carnival hats, Rob Lowe, all the cuckoo clocks, the entire credits of Rabsy Nesbit, duck eggs, shallow graves, bulldozers, Paul Oster, all the shotgun weddings, newsagent hair, every fictional character every children's slide monkeys everything every thing ever from wherever and whenever for forever until eventually at the back of the conga line you see You, you see yourself entering the party, one hand raised and waggling. Dave, you laugh in agony. Dave, you've done it again.
0: Six House Parties, was produced in 2015 by British writer and performer Ross Sutherland for his podcast, Imaginary Advice. And now, before we go, one last story. It's the one we've been holding on to the longest since 2012, It's a story we at Third Coast love for the simple but singular way it captures just a small vignette of everyday life. Here is Knitter on the Bus.
10: Knit eight, pull one, knit one, pull one, slip, slip, knit. My name is Fred Ski, and I live in Flowery Branch. Slip, knit, knit two together. Every day I drive to the bus stop at Beaufort, and then I catch the 101 bus down to Atlanta and uh, I find a good spot and then uh, I pull out my knitting bag and I knit. In fact, I really taught myself how to knit on my ride on the bus. I've knitted socks and hats. People ask me, gosh, what are you making? Or they'll say, is that hard? And it's mostly the women who are interested. Gosh, what are you knitting? Gosh, what are you knitting? I've never seen a man knitting before. And then they'll say something like, uh, well, I'm knitting this or I'm knitting that. I really should have started knitting years ago because of what I've discovered is knitting is a real chick magnet. But of course, now I'm happily married. Now, whenever anybody sort of like comes on at me because I'm knitting, I gently say, well, actually, I'm knitting a scarf for my wife. And that sends them away. But I think it's the engineering part that really interested me. And I have an engineering brain. So it's all about different stitches and creating knots and weaving the yarn to make different patterns and therefore different garments. This may sound strange, but it's almost like a meditative activity. Knit eight, pull one, knit one, pull one. I've got to knit eight, pull one, one. Um, because I can sort of get lost in my knitting. There's something about the physical activity. I don't know. I think perhaps I'm using a different part of my brain. While I'm knitting, I'm counting and I'm thinking of the different together, stitches. Knit two together, purl one... That's almost like one. a mantra. And maybe that's where the meditation comes from. Knitting in public was difficult at first because I was worried about how people would conceive me. You know, what's a man doing knitting? But I didn't let it stop me. I sat in the back of the bus, sort of in the dark, and would knit quietly, hoping that nobody would notice. Slit yes. knit, knit two together, And Then knit. one day, I dropped the ball of yarn on the floor And of course, the bus is moving, so the yarn just took off. I mean, it went backwards, then it went forwards under my feet, and then it went backwards again. I was sort of in despair, I couldn't catch the yarn. Anyway, so at the end of the journey, where the bus stopped, I had to get up and say, can anybody see if a ball of yarn is under your seat? And the gentleman about five rows up said, yes, here it is. That man had to pass it to the passenger behind him who passed it to the next person, to the next person, to the next person and finally got back to me. So at that point, I knew I was sort of like out on the bus and everybody knew I was a knitter. So from then on, it didn't matter anymore.
7: Knitter
0: on the Bus was produced by Kate Sweeney for WABE in Atlanta. Oddly, a few weeks ago, when we asked Kate if we could play this piece, she told us that the following day would be her last day in public radio. A bittersweet ending to a long career on the airwaves. Thank you, Kate. You've been listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxai. The program is produced by Dennis Funk and curated by Johanna Zorn and Maya Goldberg-Safer. Isabel Vasquez is our production assistant. Support for ReSound comes from Emma, a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myemma.com. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Agadino Foundation, the Menaki Foundation, and the National Endowment for the Arts. The Third Coast Festival, now an independent arts organization, was originally founded at WBEZ Chicago. Want to stay up to date on the latest Third Coast happenings? Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or subscribe to our newsletter at thirdcoastfestival.org. With so much to listen to and so little time, ReSound. All diamonds, no rough.